Welcome to Creative Life Hackers. My name is Ruthie. And I'm Lisa. We're your hosts. In this podcast, we provide you with creative inspiration, support, and community on your journey of building an independent and creative lifestyle. Join us for talks with artists, musicians, gig workers, entrepreneurs, and people who are actively authoring the stories of their lives. We explore how they leverage their creativity in the pursuit of their dreams and share what they learned on their path to empower you on yours. We're letting go of limiting narratives, taking our power back, and creatively life hacking. In this episode, Ruthie and I chat with Carson Whitaker about her journey of becoming a full-time artist. We talk about affirmations she's found helpful, the female gaze and what is it, power tools and how to use them, and all things creativity. So stay tuned for an awesome interview. Feel ready. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So today, Ruthie and I are joined by our friend and coworker, Carson. So, Hello. thank you for having me on your podcast. Thank you for coming. So excited for what conversations we're about to have. So, um, I have known Carson since we were in high school. Actually, we both ended up going to this summer program for art nerds, essentially, where we stayed out of college in uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And um, I, we got to choose two electives. And one of our, our mutual choices was printmaking. And then we ended up going to the same college, um, the University of Tennessee, where Carson ended up majoring in printmaking and getting her bachelor's of fine arts. And she has had really, I want to say a lifelong, but certainly like college plus years long passion for small businesses that's grown and grown into multiple versions of, you know, small businesses that she's worked for and her own. (laughs) So that's looked like more printmaking, but now she's been doing a lot of um, commissioned art pieces that we're going to get into more, but she ended up joining Ruthie and I to make our art team (laughs) at uh, music festivals where we've created all different kinds of decor and murals. Carson and I painted a ton of murals together and now in addition to all of her different murals and um, paintings and sculptures and all of her little projects and big projects, she's also taking on um, learning real estate to supplement her creative lifestyle. So it's been a cool journey and we're excited to have you join us. Yay! <laughs> to be on here with you guys. Yes, our cool was project. Number three to join our art team. It started out with just me by myself one year, and then we had Lisa, and then the next year we got Carson, and then we just grew from there. Yeah. And it was awesome. It's, it's been a great experience <laughs> to work with you guys and be creative with you guys. Yeah. It has been. I feel like our scope of things that we've been able to achieve has just like exponentially grown with each person as well. It's really, yeah, gone from kind of like, yeah, like us doing someone else's project, I guess, at Okeechobee, Ruthie, 
of like the what was it avatar and then like painting kind of like here and there to like full-blown production live painting and art installations and murals so much a lot of good experiences which Mm -hmm. is just like that's how you weave the fabric of the creative life that's true that's true so carson when tell me i want to know about like the young young creative Carson and where that started and what that looked like. Oh, well, I was always a very creative and dramatic baby and like (laughs) young child. I'm the middle child of two other girls and I always had to really compete for attention. So I think that's where the creativity started blossoming. But um, in high school, that's when I really started taking it more seriously because I had an excellent art teacher named Eric Eric Keller. And I always call him my art father uh, because he birthed me. <laughs> but uh, okay. basically I started taking um, his art classes whenever high school began in like eighth grade, because we were always allowed to take a elective between singing, theater and art. And I would always mm-hmm. choose art. And I just started taking like accelerated courses from Mr. Keller. And then um, whenever I was a junior in high school, he suggested that I sign up for the scholarship program called Governor's School for Art. And I was like, okay, sure. And I just applied for it. And then I got called in for an interview. And then I was able to go do the interview and bring some of my um, portfolio and some of my paintings that I had. And I totally knocked the interview out of the park. Like my dad was like, how'd you do? And I was like, I got it. (laughs) (laughs) And then that really stemmed the like real enthusiasm for taking it to the next level with art because I had never dreamed of doing art professionally. I always just thought it was like a hobby and something that I had talent at, but Mm -hmm. wasn't like realistic for a profession. But after I did that summer long course um, where I met Lisa, we took all these classes and the teachers there really helped me expand whatever I thought was possible. Like the teacher, one of the teachers I had was like, all right, for this project, think of the craziest thing that you can think of and then get more crazy than that. And then we'll do that. I was like, ah, okay. But we ended up doing, what? Was that your sculpture teacher? Yeah, that was my sculpture teacher. He really was like, we can do anything. Think of the craziest thing you can think of and then we'll do more than that. And I was just like, and then we did. (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh, so much is possible. So when I got back, home from that I was really like wow I really love art and then I took even more accelerated classes with my uh, teacher Eric and yeah I think I, I really enjoyed um, painting human form and I started painting I started being creative with painting and drawing so I started taking pictures of my friends and then painting them with oils and I got my first oil set from Walmart nice. um, Just like my friend was like, you can get it from Walmart for like $15. And me and my friend would, um, we would just grab a couple of canvases and spend like all weekend at her house painting, painting each other, just painting some of the things that we saw. And our, like, I guess our little spark for that was 
nurtured by our teacher, Eric Keller. And then he just, he just kept pushing us, go do more, do more. So then that's kind of really where it started. I'm just taking photos and painting my friends. And also you got really good positive feedback from the people around you, which is helpful. Yeah, I know her art was really good too. Like using gold leaf, like that's crazy. Yeah, I never yeah. even thought about that. Also, Carson, I would love for you to mention because you had, I know it was a subject and some paintings from high school that really stood out to me about um, your golden heart. Oh, yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, I, that's a theme that I always vibe on. And especially when I was younger, um, trying to be like the most pure hearted or kind or like most compassionate type of person I could be. It was important to me, especially because I had a super religious upbringing and my parents always wanted us to make sure we were trying to like present ourselves as the best we could be, be the most forgiving, the most open hearted and like the most loving because love was like a biggest like I guess theme of me growing up in my church but then so the idea of like this golden heart was really special to me and I always wanted to try to make the best decisions and see if I could like I guess showcase the ideal or the idea of the golden heart in art and so I would make some like paintings of anatomical hearts, but make them be like all gold and um, put little, like, I guess little chunks of memories of myself, like in the paintings too, but have like the main thing be like the golden heart. And so that kind of carries along. I love to sneak little symbols into my art and maybe not everyone knows why I like to like, put golden hearts and stuff, but it's because I, I want to try to, remind myself really that like I'm striving for this like purity of heart or just like this pure purity of love that I want to like be so I really thought about that a lot when I was younger that's beautiful yes thank you I hope I can still like be the golden-hearted person if I can be but I think, I think when you, you grow are. up, it gets a little bit harder because you're like, <laughs> people like test you and all this kind of struggle, bad things happen. But getting back to that pure place, I guess, is like always a goal. And I mm. hope I can get there. Yeah. Or it's at least a good thing to remember to maintain balance. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like that's also just like the journey of like life and adulthood. Because like the world will inevitably burn you in a variety of ways. It's just like, inevitable part of existing like bad things would happen and yeah it's like cultivating that like resolve to not let it make you become like bitter and jaded but also still like learning and like yeah. collecting what wisdom you can from it but yeah I'm like really glad that I had such a strong feeling about that when I was younger because it really gave me like a foundation of how I could be like who I wanted to be mm -hmm. and it's, it's super important now because the world is like so crazy and it's hard sometimes to like act from a place of love whenever you're feeling threatened or something but yeah it's always a good little symbol that I can like try to remember if I if I can snap out of a reaction and get back to like my centered place mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Also, you mentioned that um, you grew up very religious, but I think everyone has different experiences and we don't have to like get into the details, but yours was um, Orthodox. It's not Orthodox Catholic. Is it just called Orthodox? It's called Orthodox Christianity. (laughs) And it's like one of the (laughs) oldest types of Christianity. The the Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church like schismed from each other. Mm -hmm. So um, the Orthodox Church kind of started in like Russia and in Greece. And so um, I was baptized into that church whenever I was like seven. Because my dad went on like a spiritual journey to like find the truth. And he thought that was the truth. And so we started going to a monastery when I was seven. And we probably, I probably went to this monastery. It was like a little church in the woods that had maybe a congregation of like 20 people and like 10 monks. And they all wear like these black hats and all these black robes. And it's like, there's icons everywhere. It's like just very small and very intense, but yeah, even though I wasn't totally into going to church all day Sunday, it would be like a all day Sunday since we were driving yeah. about an hour to get to church and then Wednesday nights and Saturday nights for like three hours each night and mm-hmm. fasting. We did a lot of fasting Wednesdays and Fridays and then sometimes for holidays we did like long fasts that were like two months long or three months long where we eat like vegan food. But yeah, so it was a very intense way to grow up and learn about spirituality. But also I found it super valuable because it was like really peaceful at times whenever I was like, you know, growing up and being a teenager is like you get so inundated with like different messages and different kids being mean to you and drama and all this stuff. So eventually like finding my peaceful place in this church and like what I could do to feel good there. That was like really helpful, honestly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was very strict and I'm glad that I'm an adult now and I can decide if I want to participate in that uh, and not just be <laughs> like forced to do it because it was good for me. But yeah, I wouldn't change my upbringing in that way. And I was also like Orthodox Christianity has a huge focus on art because uh, mm. all of the icons and everything is like super strong Byzantine art. So it's yeah. really old and it's, it's a style of iconography, which displays a lot of symbols. It's like basically a portrait of the saint and then the symbols of like what they were famous for mm-hmm. or what helped make them holy but it's always cool to look at those pictures and pull out narratives and stories yeah like outside of just like the golden heart like are there any ways you think that that's influenced the art that you make oh yeah I definitely think so because I love to do portraiture that's really like painting people is one of my favorite things uh, because I think you can show a lot and you can relate to a picture of a person but yeah, I think it had some influence over me showing. I definitely like, see it in your art. Yeah, yeah, showing like symbols and trying to show like spirituality through humanity. Yeah, our last guest actually, um, he was raised in like uh, the Catholic Church, and he his art is like uh, in the dark art category. But he felt that um, like some Catholic art is like some of the most raw dark art that you'll ever find and that influenced yes. his art and I was like that's really interesting <laughs> like, that's the same with that's the same with like 
uh, Orthodox are too. Mm -hmm. Some of the most gothic looking people I've ever seen have been like high priests in the church who are like wearing like weird like symbols of death and like <laughs> because like death is a huge thing about church. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of interesting. It is interesting. Um, can you think of some creative decisions you've made in your life that have had a big like, long-term impact, like kind of creative crossroads that you've made? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let me think. Like definitely the decision to actually study art in school was a huge life changer for me. Absolutely. Because, yeah, for the most part, I was very good at sports and I was very good at art. So I chose to do some sports-based science whenever I went to my first year of college. But um, yeah, that just didn't go well. Like I really did not like it. I had a internship <laughs> with a training program. It was surprising uh, that the first year of school hit me like a train. So I was like, oh, I hate that. I, I went for business and that didn't go well. And we jumped to psychology with a minor in art. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's weird how, like sometimes the expectations of the people around you can influence what you decide to do. Absolutely. Even, like, and when you're young. Not Especially at that age, you're like, yeah. somebody tell me what to do. Exactly. <laughs> your intuition, like your inner voice isn't that strong. Like it's not fully there. Not Especially like, what do I want to do for the rest of my life? I don't know. Yeah. And everybody's asking you, what are you going to do now? What are you going to major in? What are you going to do? Tell me. Tell me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Like, yeah. That was like a big shift because I was ready to drop out of school. The first semester was bad. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm so depressed. Ugh, I hate this. And my parents were like, well, why don't you try to do art? And UT had a pretty good art school. And so I was like, okay, I'll try. I'll give it another shot, I guess. I'll try to go to art school and we'll see. But then, yeah, I took my first couple classes in art school and I just loved it because going to art school like gave me access to learn a lot of different techniques and mm -hmm. to like try to think creatively and yeah. like when I began I really didn't even know what I like to do like what do I like to paint what's my theme what are my special subjects that I like to you know make art about I had like no direction and I was just like kind of just grasping at straws to make, make things that I felt that were good but mm -hmm. But yeah, that was a big decision because uh, it was like, all right, do you want to do something that everyone said would probably work out for the best? Or do you want to do something that everyone said that you probably won't make any money at? And, like, and you'll be like desolate for the rest of your life. And it's bad decisions. And I was like, oh, God, I don't know if I'm strong enough to make this choice to choose the thing that I really want to do. And I even when I switched. Uh, my focus, like, I still didn't really believe that that would be, like, my real path, but, yeah, it de it definitely planted a little seed, and that seed grew because mm -hmm. of the influences I was around, and also yeah. because my internal creative fire was lit, baby. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I want to make stuff. Yeah, so. so you mentioned when you're, like, 18 or 19, you weren't sure, like, what the things were that you wanted to create with your art. But I feel like 
you have a pretty good grasp on that now. So what are the things and subjects that you like to create with your art? The things that I really like to focus on with my art are still the human form. I love to paint people, but specifically women, because um, women are so beautiful and complex and they can represent a bunch of different things in the world. But also I, I learned a lot about like studying art history and stuff like that. And um, women were totally given the short end of the stick throughout art history, throughout history period, but they weren't allowed to be trained to be like real artists. And they were often the focal point of art, but shown in like a really objective way. Yeah, Yeah, objective, kind of a voyeuristic way. And I just felt at some point I was like, no, I want to take back the image of the female body in the so for people who don't know we should say that what you just described of women throughout art being always the subject or excuse me always the object but never the subject just sort of like you're sneaking up on a woman and she happens to be naked like yeah she looks surprised that's called the nurse phase yeah 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 it's kind of weird but it was like widely accepted to paint women who weren't looking at the the picture weren't looking Mm -hmm. at the person creating the art yeah, um, like really they were kind of being viewed on, creeped mm-hmm. on, as if peeping through a keyhole, you could see them bathe them and their child, which is just creepy. But uh, but all the art was being done by men. And mm-hmm. so maybe women their perspective. Yeah. 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 So I wanted to just take it back and paint from yeah. the female gaze, my gaze, and just add more imagery of women into art that were like more empowered. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just had a, a art history memory pop up. So there was this guy, um, I can't remember his name, but he did do paintings of women, sometimes like semi-clothed, but always looking at the, looking straight at you. And it was like a really big controversy, even though it was made by a man. But they're like, whoa, she's making eye contact. That's like, that's- Oh no, yeah, she knows was, we're looking. He knows, okay. <laughs> yeah, sometimes back in the day, that was like a French painter who made that. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember one uh, like that. But they would keep that. The rich men who had these paintings would keep them in their like salon, their parlor, where only men would go. And they'd keep them behind these red curtains. They would keep the whole painting behind like a red curtain. And then they'd be like, hey, guys, come here. Come look at this. And then pull back the curtain. And then all the gaze she wants it she fucking wants it she wants it yeah even though even when i learned about that i was like this is preposterous <laughs> like yes this was progressive but really the first, the first playboy <laughs> yeah yeah behind, was, the behind the red curtain behind the red curtain so bring you into my special room. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> X-rated content. Um, okay, so you like to paint the female body, yes. but what else? I know you've got like some other fun creative projects that you've been doing. I am thinking specifically about the cards. I'm really excited about that. I want to hear more about it. I'm so excited about this too, because it's like a new project that I had been working on. Uh, I'm always trying to brush up on my computer and digital art skills. And so during, during quarantine, I was feeling 
kind of, I was just not feeling good. I was feeling like in a funk and kind of depressed, but I really wanted to still create stuff. And so I started fiddling around and made a digital collage um, just for fun. And then I just started thinking, what else can I make with this? And I had this practice of whenever I don't feel good, I try to tell myself positive messages because I'm like, what do I need right now? What do I need? Like, I need support. I need messages. I need someone to tell me something like supportive to me. And then I'm like, I'm just not going to wait for that. Nobody else knows what I need except for me. So I'm just going to write these affirmations for myself. So I have like affirmations written around my house and I like tape them on the walls and stuff. Um, but I was just like, oh, I want to try to take this to the next level and make something more beautiful that I could like use to encourage sell. myself, but also like encourage other people and to sell. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of the products that I make are like, just uh, original art so it's like just one piece or sometimes I make prints of those pieces so I can have multiples but I've never had like a packaged product that uh, I could just that that's more just like I could sell in bulk like I could mm -hmm. create one thing and then copy it 500 times and then have 500 or products. more yeah better I mean not so better, nice very nice <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah I just wanted to start small but then I was like, yeah, I'll just make, start making some affirmation cards. And then I was like, how many cards are in a deck? 54. So then I'll make 54 cards. And that just took forever. But it was fun. It was a good process to learn how I could grab things, images from the internet, or mm -hmm. take pictures of things around my house and upload the image into my computer and then digitize it and change it in Photoshop and then use yep. it or create um, different watercolor marks. Like I have, I love watercolors. So I made um, a big sheet of paper that had like different watercolor patterns and yeah. colors and shapes, scanned it in um, and started taking little pieces of that and then putting it into Photoshop, changing the color and stretching it and skewing it to like be exactly what I need to make an interesting composition. And then write down a like, affirmation that really like speaks to me that I just think is beautiful and that I would like to tell other people if they ever needed to like have some support or encouragement and so I just started putting those together and trying to work it out and so I finally finished the project it took me a little while um, because I wasn't very good at doing digital art before I started it. I bet you're good at it now. I'm yeah. dang good at it now. I have a lot of ideas on how to bring things in. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, so my um, samples should come in in like less than one week, and I'm very excited. So like my, or my initial order is set. My next step is to um, create a pre-order process so I can make um, yep. A list of people who want to go ahead and send me money so I can get a bigger bulk order and then soon I hope people will buy my little deck of cards that has like positive things I want them to like tape it around their house give it to yeah. friends um like, you should whatever. sell it on Amazon yeah oh that's a good idea that's yeah. like the type of stuff that I was like looking for when I was buying stuff mm -hmm. from the instigators and there aren't a lot of them and like what you made is really beautiful and I think that Amazon would be a great place to sell it. Sell it on all the platforms. Yeah, I definitely want to sell it on all the platforms and 
I'm excited to have like a product that is like 100% my creativity and my style. I like really glamorous things. So I feel like they're kind of, some are kind of like bougie and glamorous. They have like glitter and like Mm -hmm. lips and like fun, just like fun details like that. But also a lot of nature and animals because I just Mm -hmm. love the, I just love nature and animals. I'm sure it's just like the essence of Carson through. I hope it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Can you share some of like, just an example of like some of your favorite affirmations from it? Yes. One affirmation that I've really been vibing on lately uh, that I just think is like beautiful says uh, I am protected by love, which is not something that I often just regularly think about, but because I've been hurt by love a lot before and I think a lot of people have. So to try to make this switch in my head instead of like opening yourself up to love can hurt you, like thinking that opening myself up to love can protect me is like definitely more empowering and it helps me stay grateful for like the people in my life that love me and I am protected by their love when I start thinking about that I'm like all right who loves me this person this person and what does their love make me feel like like freaking good like a hug like seriously and I know that the people that love me would protect me if I was feeling sad or scared or something like that so that almost really stuck out to me I really like that and for that, I also I like, like separating love from like romantic relationships because I think sometimes we can categorize like love equals a romantic relationship, but really love is like much bigger than that. And I, I read a book recently called The Mastery of Love by Don Miguel Ruiz. And he kind of, which I think you would really enjoy Carson, by the way, but um, he talks about how like the really painful stuff in relationships like is usually coming from like possession and attachment and sort of these like more places where you're vying for control and not actually from a place of love like just because it's happening in the context or the container of a romantic relationship doesn't mean that everything that's happening there is coming from love and sometimes as we know love means also like loving yourself and walking away from things even in a romantic context that aren't healthy or even in a familial context yeah there's so many contexts just because yeah. you have a certain relationship to someone doesn't mean that you have to accept how they're treating you. Yeah. Definitely. So, yeah, so I interrupted that you're talking about. No, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, because a lot of the, the things I focused on, I mean, love is just such a universal feeling. So I think a lot of people can relate. But yeah, yeah. another uh, affirmation that I really enjoy is that my potential is limitless. Like just thinking about stuff like that, just telling yourself that if you ever have a moment of self doubt in your day, like you're just like feeling bad, you're, you're feeling like your, your brain isn't really focused and you're receiving weird vibrations, like something that may not be true, but your brain is just bubbling up a fear. It's like, Oh God, what if this is as good as it gets? Nope. (laughs) Like you just have to stop that. Notice when you're doing it stop that thought and then replace it with a new thought which is my potential is limitless i i can go anywhere from here boom boom Boom. (laughs) yeah also i think it's helpful to like note that the affirmations aren't like new for you or me i don't know if you've ever done this ruthie but i know that there was a really big chapter in 
um, person in my like post-college years where we first started to realize that affirmations were really powerful. Um, and I know for myself, it came from doing this program, which is free if it's still around, called unblockmyenergy.com by this lady, <laughs> Abrams. But she invites people to like write a list of everything that is like draining you. And so usually when you're writing the list, it's like, I'm stressed out about like this relationship. I'm stressed out about not having enough time for work or I'm stressed out about not being able to find love or whatever it is. And then the challenge to find out like affirmations that would be most helpful for you are to flip the statement into a positive affirmative statement. So instead of like, I'm worried that I won't find like a partner or something, it could be like, I'm surrounded and filled by love or, um, you know, like I'm stressed out about my schedule or, and then switching it to like, there is like exactly enough time for everything that I need to do. But anyways, like figuring out those stress points and then making it into something positive. And then you get yeah. little like post-it notes up. And Carson and I would even, before some music festival gigs, actually, we would read our affirmations out loud. We did it before Tortuga for sure. And um, I think maybe another one, but it, it's powerful to do. Yeah. Other people too. Yeah. I like that. Um, I have just, I think I've kind of just, done that for a long time not forever um for sure but it's something i i usually don't let myself go down negative rabbit holes for very long um and i am just and it's like one it's one of those things where it's a constant reminder where you're having like what i'm going through right now it's like my mind is going into the gutter on a pretty regular basis and then it's like a couple minutes and i'm reminding myself Mm -hmm. um all these positive affirmations and to look forward to the future and you know and i'm fine again and then maybe an hour later my mind goes there again and then i have to find myself again and eventually you know it gets less and less and maybe it'll stop altogether but it doesn't always stop and i think that's okay i think it's just a matter of like not letting yourself go go down the rabbit hole yeah where did you learn helpful. that ruthie because you are really good at stopping that stuff <laughs> um you know i think it could partially just be from my upbringing and just kind of having to find a, a positive space when there wasn't always one and just um as a way of not necessarily survival but like, like um, with like chaos just, in some ways yeah sometimes it was a little bit chaotic and um so i just learned to always kind of you know, find some peace. But I think that the, um, I think that the downside of that, one thing that I'm learning is that I am like so okay with chaos that I at times stay longer in situations than I probably should because like I can, I'm, I'm fine. And I'm just like barely unfazed by it. This. I yeah, I got it. And so I can think back to several, you know, situations that, um, you know, probably should have left earlier than I did. And, um, and I've learned, I'm learning now though. I, I don't really want the chaos just because I can do it. I don't want it. Yeah. Just because I can doesn't mean I should. No. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, it's definitely a powerful you, tool. 
affirmations yeah. are such a powerful tool to have in your arsenal to like they are help well, continue and, on your journey and stay I mean yeah. just for for so many things I can even think of like when I went to go and get um my IED switched one time mm -hmm. I remember that that was a really painful the first time that I got it and so I was gonna have to get taken out and then one put back in and I was really just like scared and mm -hmm. so I knew that if I went in scared just not even started doing any of these things like haven't come to this at all um like that woman that i mentioned abiola abrams says like to like basically it can be easy to underestimate the power of the words that you're using but even the words and the thoughts that you're thinking like even though it's not physical the way that you're phrasing things in your mind deeply affects your perspective and how you're able to handle challenges so she says to imagine that with every word you speak and think, imagine that you're casting a spell on your life. So if you're constantly like something that I would do for a while is constantly be like, well, I am barely fucking making it right now. Like just barely scraping by and like, that horrible, <laughs> not, not a good affirmation. <laughs> like, I'm barely making it. I would just like, like be driving kind of almost recklessly in my car and like, whoa, whoa I'm just barely fucking avoiding death today. And that's what I'm talking about with the little the weird unplanned things that kind of pop up in your head that are like messages that you're receiving and you're telling yourself, but it's like, you're, you haven't really planned on what you're going to say. It doesn't have a lot of intention for why you're saying it. It's mm. just like happening and it's not helpful. <laughs> it's just yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Bringing awareness. All the especially different with, egos. Especially with creative people too, because we have such strong imaginations. We can literally imagine some of the worst case scenarios and just like <laughs> make it really in real. Detail. Yeah, like it's really real and it's kind of like, you're you're kind of just like oh I wonder what's in this little black door open it <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness but if you just like 
imagine something a little bit more helpful. Like something I tell myself is like, wow, that is not helpful right now. If I think of some kind of bad thought or troubling thought, I'm like, no, not helpful. What is helpful? Okay, something else. Kind of reminds me, I, I can't think of the term right now. Maybe one of you guys will think of it, but something that Brene Brown talks about when you're experiencing like something like extreme joy, like say like you're looking down at like your newborn baby, having like this extreme joy moment, but then all of a sudden you, you have this flash of like something horrible happening, you yeah. know, to, to this baby. Like we all, we all do that. And I think it's some kind of like foreboding joy. I think that's what she calls it. And yeah. And it's just this, it's basically our brain is like, oh, it's our way of grasping onto that joy that we're experiencing in that moment of like, of, of basically, you know, we, we want permanence in things and, you know, and we want like, we want this joy to last forever. And, and so and since we know it's not going to, our brain like beats us to it. And it's like, well, if we just imagine this, then you won't be hurt when it actually happens. Yeah, you like destroy yeah. your joy. by so messed up. About <laughs> Why do people do that? When you're not actually, like that's one of the, yeah. I understand that I think we all do it, but damn. Yeah, that's yeah. one of the best ways to like mess up, kind of like just, yeah, suck all the joy out of your life. Is yeah, just it, it is. <laughs> that fear of the loss, it's like the other shoe's going to drop. You know, like this isn't going to last forever, so you better get ready to just have it all be ruined in an instant Basically. and not let it hurt you that much. Yeah, and yeah. That, that's what it's all about. It's like it's some kind of like weird self-protective mm-hmm. tool. And it um, I just it's try because it still hurts whenever it actually goes away. <laughs> it's You're not helping yourself. It'll still yes. make yourself hurt more. More. There's and, a, there's a I, philosopher. Oh, sorry. There's this yeah. philosopher that I thought of, um, and it, he calls it uh, dying a thousand deaths. Mm-hmm. Like when you're like worrying about something that hasn't happened yet, you're experiencing the pain of like what it'd feel like for it to happen. And you're just putting yourself through it as it's many true. times until it happens. Like, Hi. Yeah. And then I also think it you're you kind of start to manifest those outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, when depending on what you're thinking about and how much you're thinking about it, you might start making choices that start manifesting that outcome. It's this really, you know, messed up thing that actually happens. And yeah. it's just a, it's dangerous. Well, it's coming from like the deep belief that you're not worthy of like love and happiness and contentment. And so that's one of the main reasons why you keep on imagining that everything's going to go wrong for you because you don't think that you deserve to have things go right. And then if you, if you have that deep un like unconscious belief that you're not worthy, then yeah, if something comes along that is what you want, then you're not gonna like accept that it's for you. You're gonna be like, this must be a joke or a trick, or it's obviously this can't be real because I don't deserve it. Even if that's not the exact thing that you're thinking, that's kind of the underlying thing. And you'll probably reject it or sabotage it or fuck it up. Yes, that's it. And <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's like lighten up so you don't fuck it up. It's like <laughs> Every chance you have with a, a new opportunity, if you're thinking things and you can't let go, 
you're kind of waste each new moment to like set a new narrative if yeah. you're constantly thinking but about what could go wrong. There, oh, sorry, Ruthie, what were you gonna say? I was going to ask Carson if she can think of a time mm-hmm. when she when this has happened to her, like when you mm-hmm. have maybe um, not believed in yourself, some creative thing that you could do, and maybe you didn't do it, or maybe you did do it. Yeah. a lot of that every day (laughs) not thank god thank god not every day anymore like i hate i really hate that feeling because i am a very capable person and sometimes i'm like the major villain in my life because i'm like making all these bad things happen but Mm -hmm. yeah um basically basically anytime Mm. I've like been working for someone that I really respect or like I really want to do a good job working there Mm -hmm. Um, if I make a mistake which is so common to make a mistake um, it it happens to where I can get latched onto the mistake and be kind of like really worried about it and if if it doesn't if I don't turn it off and be like no, this isn't really relevant. I can, I'm not going to drag this bundle of garbage to every new situation with this awesome person that I respect and who I want to think I'm good at things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, a lot of times with the uh, bosses that I've worked for, it, it kind of creates this anxiety within me. I, I worked with at a boutique, um, with these two photographers that I really, really respected and I thought were cool. But I did make like a couple small mistakes and uh, some of those mistakes I just kind of let get to me because Mm -hmm. it it was just awkward. Like making a mistake is sometimes awkward. It's awkward for the person that makes the mistake, the person that is like receiving the mistake or dealing with it or whatever. But if you just like keep the spirit of that alive, you're probably going to make more mistakes or it's probably not going to get better. So I've had to like really, it's like really hard to snap out of it in the moment for me. Uh, But I've like gathered a lot of inner willpower and also just telling myself, lighten up. It's not that bad. Just because you made a mistake doesn't mean you're a bad person. You're not bad at this job in general. You just made a mistake. So I'm learning how to not get stressed out, like fixate on those little things that just like, it just doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I think part of my ability to have that, like it just doesn't matter um, attitude when it comes to making mistakes with things is just kind of settling into more abundance and just settling into more flow and just knowing that like, you know what, if I make a mistake, it was part of the plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and just having to kind of like accept that is hard to do sometimes and just keep on going and you know take it for the lesson that it is and mm-hmm. move on but yes. I find that, that some of that like fixating also and when you're working for creative people that you admire um, I find with myself at least that there's a lot of comparison mm-hmm. that I do and the comparison is where I you know get insecure with things yeah. and maybe not, not wanting to make a mistake because I'm comparing myself with my work against their work, um, which is just, you know, a losing battle, as we all know. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. 
I like a message that I like to tell myself in an instance where I'm like obsessing over a mistake I made. And I have like a really obsessive brain. I just try to tell myself, take what you need and leave what you don't from the situation. Like yep. the situation happened and yep. it's a stepping stone to learn something. Mm -hmm. So what did you learn? Okay, take that, apply it to the new opportunities and leave everything else behind. It doesn't matter. Like mm -hmm. it's not worth thinking about more because you're, you're pulled out the lesson and that's what you need to think about and carry on. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Like when you work with people too, like you mentioned, like the awkwardness of kind of like acknowledging a mistake for like everyone involved, it's kind of uncomfortable, but I imagine like, I know for myself in the past, having made mistakes, like that would start this train of like, I'm so stupid. I messed this up. I did this wrong. I don't know how to do this. And like this kind of like shame guilt spiral and like that make like as an employee or like a coworker is so hard to deal with when someone is like, like basically becoming unhinged because they made a mistake. So I think it's really healthy <laughs> for us to all cultivate exactly like you said, Carson, like the, the growth mindset of like, okay, what is this teaching me? And then just focusing on doing that better next time. And I think to be the other person that's like letting you know that you made a mistake to just hear like, okay, I'll do that next time. Like, thank you for like pointing this out like that. So good. Yeah, I agree. agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, I've been trying to like remember all of the like mistakes that I've had like in the past couple of years and how whenever I have like a mistake or just a challenge then it usually ends up turning into like a huge growth and learning experience where then the next time around now I'm like way smarter and way more prepared so it's like trying to make that shift between this being like frustrating and it being a privilege <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. Like, i know it's such a weird way to like spin it you're like i need mm -hmm. to spin this on its side real quick so i can like mm -hmm. use it to my advantage what i've been i've been doing that yeah you basically don't every day yeah lately. yeah yeah like one thing that i i i heard in a different podcast which was interesting uh training yourself about anxiety because i mm -hmm. deal with a lot of anxiety but um it's this idea of training your nervous system to operate consistently in uncomfortable situations your yes. nervous system is supposed to get sparked whenever something's not right yep. like your heartbeat rises you might get twitchy you might start breathing like quickly and those kind of get you into this i'm out of control state but if you can if it's really hard to stop when you're in a reaction but if you can just try to like take a deep breath and pause and be like I can train my nervous system right now to how I want to react in this situation. I'm probably going to be dealing with a lot more failures or mistakes because that's like the road to success. But if I can like calm it on down and try to realize that this is for my benefit and that I need to like, I can train myself how I want to operate in this situation instead of wildly being like, ah, everything's messed mm -hmm. up. Like, it is to your advantage. You can use it for your success. Yeah. Well, so our breath is directly tied to our nervous system. Mm -hmm. And so you can actually slow your heart rate down through deep breathing. 
So, I mean, there are times when, like, I'll get an email or a phone call or whatever, you know, thing that happens that triggers it. And it's like zero to 60 in a second, you know, as far as like heart rate and just all of the things like flaring up and, and then just several slow deep breaths. And within probably 30 seconds, it is not back to normal, but it's not that like boom, 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 boom thing going on. And yeah. it's that's control that we we all have. They teach it in the military, like yeah. <laughs> to soldiers. Yeah. They yeah. call it box breathing, where yeah. they, they breathe in for four seconds, hold it at the top for four, breathe out for four, and hold it at the bottom for four mm-hmm. to regulate their nervous system in yes. like, extreme situations. Yeah, and you can really train yourself. Like if you practice yeah. that just a few times a week but consistently, mm-hmm. you can, like, really start finessing how you act in, like, troubling situations. Hmm. And Which is an important skill for all of us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, also, so, speaking of kind of tumultuous times, um, I know we were going to talk about creativity in the time of COVID. Pandemic, yes. Pandemic, yeah. How has it affected your creative life? In a lot of different ways, because it's totally new, and it came in like a wrecking ball, as Miley would say. (laughs) God, it really did. It really did. It really did. Just kind of like a really great. I don't know if y'all have seen. She was like on Joe Rogan and this other podcast called Call Her Daddy. Anyways, she's doing some really interesting internet stuff. I like her. I really like her. The stuff that she's been doing and producing. So I was like, wow, she's actually a down ass bitch. Like I, I yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think that creativity during the pandemic has been an interesting challenge and it's just something that I've been doing a little dance with because yeah initially the pandemic sent me into a little bit of a tailspin because Mm -hmm. I lost my jobs and uh, I kind of had to take a pivot and decide like what new thing I was going to do which is pretty intimidating and then all of my like support systems or my like my social network I kind of like felt like I lost that too because I wasn't able to see my friends in real life which is like super important to me I I'm an extrovert I get energy from being around people and whenever I'm super alone all the time I start getting really drained which is weird I haven't felt that a lot um, because I usually surround myself with a lot of my friends and I like to be with people but spending a lot of time alone when I didn't want to be alone anymore felt like made me really tired and I didn't feel very creative and I felt like just laying around and not doing anything and then I had this like I I'm a I like to be productive I like to be creative so then I was judging myself I'm like what's wrong with you why are you like this like you're just laying on the couch all day you're not doing anything and that kind of hurt me too so I was feeling kind of down about all of it but I I just had to go through it. You just kind of have to go through moments like that. And you know what? You don't always have to be creative. Like sometimes that energy may need to take a rest or it may just, you might need to take a rest in general and just take a step back to make sure that you're okay and that you're 
trying to get what you need because like depression is one of those things you kind of just have to experience and work through yeah. until yeah. you're ready to feel better but so I went for like probably like a month of really not being able to do anything can't answer phone calls not replying to messages not going out of the house not doing anything and just just feeling weird but at the same time I I was trying to like derp around and like try to do a little bit of things that made me feel like a little bit happy. Maybe I wasn't completing a whole painting, but I was like messing around on my computer, like trying to just, you know, give myself a little experience of making something, but without a lot of pressure for it to be great, for it yeah. to be like a full product, for it to like yeah. be something. Um, and and I, I didn't post I mean, I didn't share a lot of that on social media either because I was just like not feeling it. I was like, I'm not trying to make anything for anyone else. I just need to just sit, do whatever I want to do and try to sketch or try to do small things that make me feel creative. So I would say I took a break from creativity a bit during the pandemic, even though I just felt like there was a collective suffering going on and I just felt sad about it. But I started dabbling again um not just with art but like doing painting or sorry doing dancing I really like to dance that like stokes my energy and trying like different things like cooking new food is really creative for me so mm -hmm. just trying to like do little things like that and then slowly I felt like I was like pulling myself out of this hole by starting to get back into making little things for myself because the process of making something makes me feel good so I know not everyone has that ability, but um, to just like start making stuff. But it's kind of like if you're feeling sad or down, which a lot of people are during the pandemic, trying one or two small new things is like enough to maybe create a little spark for you. And instead you know, I, of, I would say it is something that everyone can do. Like you started the I agree. buying like $15 oil paints at Walmart, like yeah, you can also buy fifteen dollar oil paints or something else at Walmart. And it doesn't yeah, have to be. It doesn't have to be painting. It could be yeah. some kind of movement thing, creative movement, yeah. or um, woodwork, or cooking, <laughs> or mm -hmm. yeah. home improvements. Mm -hmm. Literally anything is creative. Yeah. <laughs> or just like singing a song that you like, like singing yeah. it really loud without yeah. like anything holding you back, like inhibitions and stuff. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you, I mean, you okay. can be sad for as long as you want and as long as you need to, mm -hmm. but whenever you become tired of it and you start thinking, guys, this got to stop. I can't feel like this anymore. Or I need to like try something, just trying like one new thing. Mm -hmm. Or I even like to go upside down when I'm feeling like kind of energetically bottled up. I love to go upside down. That's free. <laughs> you can yeah. just go upside yeah. down if you want. But yeah, so trying little dabbles of things helped pull me out of it more and then uh yeah then I just started like I said trying to do something for myself that feels good without caring to show anyone else or caring to like think well people like this or this and that it's like no yeah. just make something you like that feels good and so that started working for me better and I started making those affirmation cards like we talked about and then I started making, uh, cutting out wood shapes and stuff with my jigsaw. 
um, out of like this thin plywood that I had in my studio, that, that kind of, it happened in weird, in weird steps. Cause like I had this idea, I was like, what if I just cut out some sexy lips out of some wood? And I was like, okay, I woke up one morning, I just got straight out of bed and it was like, I'm gonna do this. And I grabbed my wood and I just like sat outside and cut some things out. And I didn't touch those things for about two or three weeks afterwards. Cause I was like, I just had a little creative burst and then set it aside. That's cool. And I came back to it a few weeks later and just decided to paint it. And I was like, oh, this is fun. And enjoying just the process of painting something and then I put resin all over it and then I was like hey this looks good and then I showed like my roommate and some friends and they were like that's awesome so I was like oh my god I, I made something good um, <laughs> yeah, I was like I yeah, like it I know like the people like it the people like so it. <laughs> I posted a little video of it like in my stories on my Instagram because I really just didn't think it was like gonna be popular at all I was like look at this little thing I made people and then people were like I want to buy that so I sold it like the same day and then I was like oh everyone was like make more so then I started making more and then I was just like I I started they look like this Ooh, they're like these so good. shapes oh, and they I have love glitter, it lots of glitter yes this was for a little um people that enjoy smoking because you can use it as a tray yes, or a piece totally. of art so yeah it's so Mm-hmm. I was feeling like, wow, people actually like this. So I, I started making more. And then I was like, well, what else can I cut out from wood? I can pretty much cut out any shapes yeah. and then paint, paint whatever I want on it. So how can this like little idea become more and like grow it more, which is like my favorite part of the creative process. When you start yeah. doing one thing that feels good, it's like, yeah. then it starts snowballing and you're like, oh, wait. Mm-hmm. Ah. Oh, uh. so, what kind of wood are you using? I'm using this really thin, um, like one eighth inch plywood that mm. you can get from Home Depot. Yeah, um, quarter no? quarter inch. Yeah, quarter inch. It's usually what we. It's probably what we use for all those panels, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, so I'm using that and then a little plug-in jigsaw and some clamps. Nice. And I just love it. Draw just draw whatever you want on it. And the jigsaw is amazing. It's like kind of, you can make curved shapes, which is like a benefit of using it. Cause a lot of saws, you can only make straight lines, yeah. but this one you can, you know, give it some shapes and do whatever you want. And oh, it's amazing. Do you liberating. have to, like, if this was an edge, do you need to cut like triangles off so you can get the edge round or you're able to just move it in all of the directions on the board? <laughs> Yeah, you can move it in any direction you want. You just have to go slow whenever you're starting to take a curve. You just Mm -hmm. have to kind of like work it because if you just crank it sideways, it might like snap the blade. Mm -hmm. But you just need to like give it a little bit of time and then boom, it takes like five seconds. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I think that sometimes we're never like for the for the going back to the question, creativity during the pandemic, you just Mm got to hang in there and try to keep little sparks alive. Yeah. I find something that I accepted many years ago was that my creativity ebbs and flows because, mm-hmm. you know, I've had times where I had full on art studios and Etsy stores and I'm like making stuff every day. And then I have gone years or a year with like hardly making any art. And during that year, I think that's kind of what I accepted that like, you know what? 
like the inspiration just isn't here. I can't force it. Like I can't just make myself go draw. It doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just didn't do it. And then, you know, something happens and the inspiration sparks back up and you're like, I am still an artist. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really unique feeling and weird because of that fear of loss that we were talking about earlier. Oh, yeah. For me, it's Permanent. For me, it's like super scary to take a break or like to stop doing something mm-hmm. that I know that's good for me and that I know is natural yeah. for me. Because mm-hmm. uh, it, it's like, oh, you're stopping doing your thing. Oh no, what if you lose it forever? What if you're never as good as you were? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like kind of scary. But I, I recently kind of got to that point with uh, kind of taking a little step back during the beginning of the pandemic. Because yeah, I can't force myself to do anything in that moment so forcing myself to do art was just gonna be like punishment and I started being like you know maybe I need a break from this to recharge my little creative battery and then get back in there when it starts feeling right and it will happen when it needs to happen like Uh, and also like we were saying earlier um, asking yourself is this helpful like is trying to force yourself to do something that just isn't coming to you helpful or worrying about it being gone forever like to me that that feels more like you're kind of like lashing yourself a bit and also this like this whole conversation is reminding me of um like you know when you're learning meditation they say like inevitably you know like thoughts will come and like you will get distracted like it's just inevitable but what's important what, what's not helpful is getting upset at yourself for the distraction and the, the most important thing that you can do is like how you return and um yeah like making the returning just like a habit and so for someone that creativity is like an important um like part of their life you know maybe just considering like as long as you return at some point and you're not doing it like in a way where you're beating yourself up then that's good and also I think especially in terms of like the pandemic um you know with like Maslow's hierarchy of needs like if your base needs for like safety and security aren't being met because you know you're not being able to like engage socially or there's like a bunch of huge social upheaval happening then like creativity and like creating like cool art especially performative art where you're like making it for your Instagram or something like, I think that's higher up on the list. So if you're feeling, like, depleted, then it totally makes sense to take time and just, like, nourish yourself yeah. and try to give you what you need. Because the creativity feels like like a little leaf that grows and blossoms when yeah. the, like, foundation of the soil. Yeah, is. all the other things are there. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. And I was just thinking about this idea, like, what fuels your creativity? Like, mm-hmm. I think taking a break sometimes is good for creative people because you can absorb all that's around you. Like Mm -hmm. you can try to get inspired by things or you don't even have to try. Sometimes things are just like, Oh wow, look at that. It's so beautiful. And it just kind of starts fueling your imagination. But in that moment, I was like not having good fuel at all. I was just like listening to the news Mm -hmm. and like letting myself fear feel a lot of fear that I think a lot of people were feeling and just feeling like worried so that fuel wasn't the stuff that gets me going and that's Mm -hmm. why I wasn't going and I was like all right I just need to take a break and like let 
whatever this knot is kind of like loosen up over time. And during that same time, I was probably receiving a lot of good information and yep. like new things. Cause I was planting, I decided to plant a garden and I like to do other things like work out and try different things to get my energy going. But sometimes you just need that little bit of space to let mm -hmm. new ideas come in and then yeah. you can like create from that point. But just kind of like forcing myself to try or making myself feel bad because I wasn't doing what I thought I should be. It was like not good. Never, <laughs> never helpful. Yeah. Never ever helpful. I think they, they call that stop shitting all over yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like most people that have come up with like famous people that have really creative discoveries, it's usually at like times where you're not actually trying to engage with the problem like you know that like eureka guy who i don't remember what he figured out but he realized like in the bathtub or like albert einstein is pretty famous for like his like crazy like realizations and stuff yeah i can't remember but it was not a time where he was like actively trying to solve a problem like normally yeah. people, like when they're like having a shower or something like that like i was considering that because Lately, I've been kind of feeling as similar to how you've been, Carson, of just like overwhelmed or I've just got too many things going on. And I realized that I needed to like step back and just try and like get my body to calm down. And and so like when I did, I did a yin yoga class the other day. And for those that don't know, it's kind of like a long meditation where you just hold poses for a couple of minutes. But anyways, as I was doing this yin yoga, like all these different ideas were popping up of like, oh, yeah, like you should do this, but not in a like, you need to do this and then that. But it was like, oh, yeah, that's a great solution. But and then I think when I was meditating in my little sauna, like some other ideas were just popping up. But I've just been noticing like whenever I'm able to take a good like more than 30 minutes of like quiet, reflective time, then mm -hmm. that's like where my brain, if your brain's a computer, it has enough yeah. time to like save and like delete some files and like have some other stuff i don't know saved i guess yeah. is now. process <laughs> yeah it's processing yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, like when do y'all find that you get your your creative ideas i definitely i can relate to um finding that stillness um <laughs> sometimes it's maybe like really late at night right before i go to bed or early in the morning, right when I wake up. Um, I've definitely like woken up with ideas before um, or, you know, kind of during Savasana on the yoga mat, things like that, and just kind of like taking that time to quiet. Um, but I think also that is, you know, kind of connecting to your higher self and quieting all of those other voices in your head that are telling you, that you're not good enough or that nobody's going to buy it or that it's ugly or that you're not going to finish and why even try and really getting to your higher self that knows that you're capable and that it's going to be awesome and that people are going to like it and all of you Actually, I want to add one addition. I also feel that through dance, like ecstatic. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I think the key for me is taking the pressure off like 
I do, I think I function okay in high pressure situations because I love to solve problems. And I just, I love to like passionately pour myself into something and be like, think, 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 I got it. But really, it seems like my best, most natural work comes from whenever like the pressure is off and I'm just like having a good time or like, just like Ruthie said, just like quieting and like becoming still or having that moment of like kind of solitude, but where I'm just like, feeling curious and feeling like thinking about different things. But in most of those scenarios, the pressure is off. And that's where I constantly want to be. Like it's very easy. Yeah. As an artist, but also like myself, it's getting, maybe getting to that point of flow or when you can become like a channel of your real intuition where you can like Mm -hmm. really feel like the purity of like who you are. Like, ah, I really feel like myself today. Like, thinking about all these different things and not really receiving a lot of messages from like the outside. I'm kind of just like slowing it down. If we were to define the pressure, (laughs) I think that the pressure is usually just like one side of our ego that's like, it's not going to work. It's not going to, it's not, you're not going to have enough money. It's Mm. never going to work. You're never going to finish. And and it's, it's not even pressure. It's just one voice that we decide to listen to. And I think that, you know, learning, learning to not like hear it, but not obey it, <laughs> I think yeah. is a good tool where you're like, okay, I hear you, but no. Yeah. <laughs> I think for me, the way I interpret pressure is like having like constraints and like, I, and I think we need like balance between all of these things because like, for example, when we're working at music festivals and it's like, this is happening in five days. Like that's a lot of pressure, like, but like, that's good. I feel like it's good pressure. Cause that, yeah. you know, when you have like that deadline and the constraint, like it does kind of force us, I know for myself, like to think creatively and to like not overanalyze and just like do yeah. it, make it happen. But also, like, I couldn't work music festivals nonstop all of the time because that type of pressure nonstop all of the time would kill my nerves. Yeah. It would be too yeah. much. And, yeah. and sometimes I like having, yeah, like we were saying, Carson, of just, like, free time. I love a lot of that, actually, where, you know, you can just follow whatever feels, like, fun and playful to you because I think that that's a big part of, like, stoking your creative fire so that you've got, like, a a stash like a library of like all of your creative juices per se for when you need to have like this high pressure situation or if you like have a lot of like commissions and stuff that you need to do in a week but but definitely like maintaining the balance of like not saying yes to like everything all the time because you could create pressure like that but I think that's also of listening to maybe like the voice in your head that's like you need to be fucking productive now and it's like yeah yeah just knowing what your like ebb and flow is because for me it can't be like crazy productive all of the time that is just yeah stressful yeah Yeah. like I'm really relating to what Ruthie said about like the voice in your head that's like Mm -hmm. you need to go or it needs to be like perfect you need to be productive I I feel like I have multiple little 
characters or hats that I put on whenever like a certain mode is like being entered. And for one, some reason, it's because I grew up playing sports. I have like a coach mode in my head that has like a whistle. Yes. And she's okay. like, go faster, more. Like, and it's like that coach can get into overdrive. And it's crazy because like, I'll just be like trying hard and doing what I'm supposed to do. And the coach in my head is like, not good enough, better, more, faster, like more intense. And I have tried to do a number of practices to get myself to switch from like this coach voice to like the other delightful voices that I have in my head. Cause that's just like one person or one hat that I wear sometimes. And it yeah. is really helpful. It does help me achieve a lot, but yes, it's, also makes me feel really bad sometimes. Yeah. Really uses so as a motivator, that type of coaching. Yeah. And also well, just a lot like, of intensity. But yeah. yeah. I I drew I did this practice once where I tried to like get in touch with the characters of myself that yes. like come into my head as like my yeah. voice or my intuition. And I drew them out on paper. Like I had like a coach, I love that. I had like a little fairy that's like my little fairy version of myself where I'm like sparkles glitter everything's good when yeah. there's a lot of creativity that comes from that but also this like tinker type of person like this person that loves to be in a studio like spending time just showing up and like putting things together and I have like a computer and like uh, a tablet and like a little just all these little tools that I like to use so I have all these little phases of people that come through as like voices of my intuition, but being able to identify them and make sure that there's like checks and balances is like super important, especially keeping the coach under control because my coach will like get out of control. It's honestly recognizing all of this and learning this is probably one of the biggest tools that we can cultivate in our lives because so many people don't realize how all of these, you know, these voices and these thoughts end up um, making us feel certain things, and then we act on those feelings, and we don't even realize that it's all coming from just, like, these different voices, these different egos in our heads, and, and we're just, like, very unconsciously making decisions in our life based on that. And so when you become aware, and you're like, okay, this is the coach, talking now then it gives you power again over it because you're like mm -hmm. I hear you but you're not the boss <laughs> yeah and thank you're not you in charge that's like a big part of it too is like realizing that each of these voices are that these personality types are like defense mechanisms often or they're trying to like help you in some way but some maybe defense yes. mechanisms from like problematic times in your life so instead of being like, why is this happening? Why am I doing this? Being like, okay, thank you for trying to help me. I understand yeah. you want to protect me, but right yeah. now I don't need it like that. Also, have you guys seen on TikTok when people do those videos where it's like, there's a version of me here and then there's like seven others together and they're like all dancing at the same time. And it's like, can me and all of my personalities like get along? Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, that's like exactly what the little picture yeah. looked like for me when I drew it. No, actually I'm loving that you brought that up, Carson. And I think I'm going to do that later today. Like I just started to think about like what all of mine are. And it is kind of interesting, like having, yeah, like more and more self-awareness of like the different qualities 
Yeah. yeah, I would encourage anyone that feels open to it too. Like, yeah. and especially if you want to make it into like an art therapy moment, like, yeah, totally. help you connect to like the different qualities that you might not get to if you were just like talking about it. Yeah, yeah. that's one thing that kind of helps me. It's so weird because I am so committed to my art practice, and it's probably like a little bit of the coach voice in my head that's like, you will do this every day. You will show up and you will try. Like, <laughs> um, but like, I thought to myself, sometimes it's hard for me to stay on track with my self-care, which I definitely need to be journaling and I definitely need mm -hmm. to be meditating, whatever, I'm my most healthy self. But that isn't always interesting to me, especially whenever I'm like, nope, I need to do art every day. So that, that idea came about when a friend said to me, like, you're so committed to art. Why don't you just try to combine your self-care with your art? Like, if Love you it. need to be doing some reflection, like you can use your art which is like your main motivation in life and then tie in so the therapy smart. part i was like yeah. thank you <laughs> like, that just helped i mean it, it really helped me like yeah. and i felt it is easy for me to like mm -hmm. doodle and draw things more than it is for me to like sit down and be like all right i'm gonna journal or i'm gonna like sit here and meditate like mm -hmm. it's just another creative little way to like get sparked yeah maybe yeah. like so you know how um like it's a recommendation for people to do like morning pages where you just like empty your brain in the morning and write like three pages of whatever your, your like stream of consciousness is. I'm like, what would it be like if you just like made some type of little art piece, like low commitment, doesn't need to be anything beautiful just for you of like, how am I feeling today? And then like yes. that through art, like that would be really interesting. Yeah, that would be really interesting. And you could just make it like a quick little five minute minimum like where you could just be like all right i got these colors i got this pen and like mm -hmm. this means this and yeah i mean it's a good way to connect with yourself that's a good idea yeah also over time you'd probably get like be able to notice some themes and be like damn i was using a lot of chaotic red in that week <laughs> like, yeah. that's definitely yeah. a sign <laughs> yeah. Do that again. yeah yeah don't need to go into a red period again <laughs> Um, Carson, what, what is some, some advice that you have for some either maybe young creatives who are kind of trying to find their way in the world, or maybe somebody who doesn't identify as being so young, but is creative and, you know, kind of has this like deep dark secret of some creative thing that they want to do that they've never told anyone, because I know that's a thing that people do. Mm -hmm. um, what advice do you have for them? Hmm. Let me think. I guess for me, I'm trying to find like blanket advice that would work for like everyone, but one have to work for okay, well, one thing that I find has been like a really useful tool, which it's hard. Sometimes it can be hard because creative people can be a bit introverted and it, but relying on your community is very important as a creative person because you need to be around other creative people. Um, they're gonna help you come up with new ideas and help you solve your problems in ways that you didn't think of yourself because a lot yeah. of times your creative brain thinks one way, but when you start surrounding yourself with other creatives, they're gonna send up little bubbles for you. And when the bubbles pop, you're like, oh, I can, I can apply this to myself. I can take this. So mm -hmm. I would say, go to art shows. If you live in any town, there's probably going to be an art show at some point, even small towns. 
And when you're there, take a look at the art and then try to talk to the artist and say like one or two things like what what's inspiring you or this and that or you know reflect with them a bit if you can because they will remember you and they will maybe come yeah. to your art show or maybe they'll comment on something you make or mm-hmm. but building that network is super important because it will help you continue along in your process yeah, totally and it'll help you get involved in things that you didn't know were going on but if you yeah i mean you just gotta kind of try to make it your world that's like really intense but just put yourself in there and don't just be like a little island making the art by yourself in your room and keeping it a secret because creation is like yeah yeah i mean i do too it's good to do it sometimes but don't let it be the only thing you do Mm -hmm. it's like you gotta rely on the people that are i think that is excellent advice yeah i mean my creativity and problem solving and ability to like succeed professionally as an artist has grown exponentially since we've all started working together. So me too. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a lot I mean, of problems where I would just was like running up against a wall. Yeah. And, like, I just can't imagine how I would possibly get past this. And then, you yeah. know, one of you or someone else we work with is like, Oh no, you just do this. I'm like, wow. Oh, okay. oh just, you just have to move it one foot over? Oh. Yeah, I know, it's crazy. Because like a lot of times you have like a little spark in you that that's your creativity or your, your little vibe that you got going on. And you can be a little candle in the darkness by yourself or you can like join a bunch of people who will fan your flame and can, like encourage you to like burn brighter and like, you will burn brighter. You'll be like, <laughs> Ooh, ooh, wow, I'm on fire because all these <laughs> other people are helping me. It makes me feel alive. And also, if anybody that's listening has questions, because obviously we've got a creative community here that you are, you know, reaching, you're butting your head up against the wall, can't figure it out, shoot us a message at our Instagram at Creative Life Factors. We'd be happy to uh, do our best to. Absolutely. I'd love to help encourage the creative growth out of people, just anyone really. Cause like a lot of times uh, people will be like, oh, I could never do that. I'm not creative. Uh, and then I'm like, you yeah. know what? You're wrong. Where can we find your, you and your stuff online to buy your cards that are coming out and to buy some of those lips and to keep up with your art journey? I post a lot of my things that I'm working on on Instagram and my Instagram handle is Carson's underscore art life and it's got my my account has like a lot of pictures and videos of me making art but also some of the other fun ridiculous things I do because I don't think my art is just painting it's also like dancing really weird and like building things at music festivals like music is a big part of your art life yeah because i i want to make my life creative that's why i try to marry those two yeah there and then my website is www.carsonwhitakerart.com so you can find my art there too we will put both of those in the description of the episode yeah awesome i thank you i appreciate that you're welcome yay well everybody remember your life can be your biggest source of art
That's, That's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's right. So much, Carson. This was so fun. Yeah, oh, it really fun. was. This was wonderful. And I think we got a lot of good nuggets in here. Almost two hours. So there's definitely yeah. We, That's honestly, good. probably could have gone longer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we could More probably fun. talk for days. <laughs> <laughs> we had to cut it short it too. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. And I'm so excited to be a part of your creative community uh, with you. Thank and you And this so new much. venture of making podcasts, which is a yeah. creative aspect. So you, can't you guys are rock stars. <laughs> Don't stop rocking. Keep yeah. it up, girls. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We are really grateful to you all for taking the time. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Like and comment and share with anyone who you think might benefit from this. And if you have any questions or you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at Creative Life Hackers. You could shoot us an email at creativelifehackers at gmail.com or come to our website creativelifehackers.com our intro and outro is by joseph mcdade you can find at josephmcdade.com